0: Welcome to In Step Podcast, a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Billings, Montana. This podcast is all about you, me, and Jesus walking in step. Our goal is to gain a fresh perspective to apply the principles of God's Word to our everyday life. Thanks for joining us. And now, let's see what God has for us today in step. You, me, Jesus.
1: Well, hello and welcome to episode eight of the In Step Podcast, a podcast all about walking in step with you as you walk with Jesus. Uh, my name is Ryan, and I'm so thankful that you dropped in and, and, and checked us out here on our podcast. You know, sometimes we in our lives can get caught up in a rut of simply being busy, like doing various activities with our families. And sometimes those activities can seemingly like they don't have any rhyme or reason. You know, it's, it's just stuff, we're just busy. And I know this is a problem that, that plagues many families so often and can set in far too easily. However, we, we do want to be a people that is constantly at work trying to advance the kingdom of heaven in our communities. Of course, that requires intentionality and a solid strategy, and in including an understanding of our local context. Well, today's guest, William Johnson, kicks off a three-part miniseries featuring pastors from the state of Montana. Now, William is the state church planting leader the founding pastor of Keystone Church in Manhattan, Montana, formerly known as Gallatin Valley Baptist Church, and someone who deeply understands the communities of Montana, the needs of those communities, and provides practical advice on how to reach those needs. So today, uh, we dive into how William ended up coming to Montana, how he made an impact in his local community as a church planter, and and receive some practical tools on how you can impact your sphere of influence. You know, together, God can take our little bit, and turn it into a lot. So, of course, don't forget to subscribe to the Emanuel Podcast on your phone or computer. Well, I hope you enjoy today's episode eight with William Johnson. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, William. Uh, it's great to have you on. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Awesome. Awesome. Now, tell, now tell us, uh,
2: tell us out there uh, a little bit about what you do here in Montana. All right. So, I'm the church planning leader for the Montana Southern Baptist Convention. Probably tell from my accent, I'm not just from South Montana, but uh, moved here from North Carolina. I <laughs> uh, have a heart and passion for church planting. So, uh, what that means is, I uh, pray for the places that we need more churches, for the lost to be reached, uh, help share that vision. And as God calls people, uh, hopefully they'll contact me and I can share a little bit more about that and engage them in the, the ministry process of what it might be look like to plant a church
1: yeah awesome now you uh didn't originally come to montana as a church planter you came to montana as somebody who was when you came to montana were you planting a church or were you taking over a church that already existed tell us a little bit about how you came from north carolina to montana
2: sure um yeah kind of an interesting story i'll go back a little further first time in montana was on my honeymoon so 20 years ago. Really? uh, Jokingly, when we were in Cook City uh, on the second Sunday of our marriage, uh, there was no church open, and I jokingly said to my wife, hey, if we ever run out of anything to do, we can always come and plant a church out west. Uh Well, I think that was the joke that God never let me forget. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, a few years later, we actually came back out and Planted a church in Manhattan. And mm-hmm. It was a place that was said was a need. We looked at others, but really fell in love with that community. Saw the need there, and and uh, came out and planted a church.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now uh, Manhattan, Montana, for those who don't know, is uh, in between Bozeman and um,
2: Belgrade, right? It's uh, just west of Belgrade. Just west yeah, of Belgrade. Yeah, about ten miles west of Belgrade. Okay,
1: gotcha, gotcha. So the second most popular. And populous Manhattan, right?
2: Well, yeah, there's only three. There's okay. the Manhattan everyone knows about, right? and then there's a Manhattan, Kansas. Oh, really? And then Manhattan, Montana. <laughs> and Manhattan, Montana was named after the Manhattan in New York. Right, right. Yeah. That's an ambitious name. It is. Yeah, it's, yeah.
1: Like, it's like, I live in Paris, North Dakota. That's right. I don't know if that's a city, but anyways. Yeah. Paris,
2: Texas. That's is.
1: Paris, Texas. There you go. So... Um, <clears throat> When you and your family moved to to montana what what are some challenges that you faced when you when you made that move
2: I think the uh, one of the big things was we knew no one hmm. and how to actually start contacting and making relationships with people so you know it was, I grew up in North Carolina lived there you know, thirty years uh, was very common you know, knew the the culture, the people had friends there family. And to move to Manhattan, we knew no one. So the biggest challenge was, how do we make friends? How do we start establishing relationships? And at that point, building a church was like so far in the distance because we didn't know anyone. Mm-hmm. That was probably the biggest challenge right off. Yeah, And, and just learning, you know, a new culture. Everybody talks about the winter. Well, that was one. It snowed like five days after we got here, and that was October. Uh-huh. <laughs> That was different. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, that was probably one of the big challenges right off. Uh, just learning the community. It was a different, even though I grew up in a small town in North Carolina, small there was 30,000. Right. Moved to a town of 1,500. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the school was the hub of the community. We learned that quickly. Yep. You don't do things when the school's having activities because everyone goes to the school. which was great. We loved that. We had kids, you know, that were too young for school at that moment, but were soon going to be in school. And we, you know, kind of dove in and got involved in the school there, which was great. And therefore relationships just started opening up, you know, through the school, through the fire department, uh, just different things that, you know, we kind of started searching people out. Where are they living at and how can we Get involved there
1: yeah yeah, and I, I think man, that's so crucial coming into a community, uh starting something new, figuring out where the people are, what did they do, when did they do it yeah. and and just coming alongside them, I, I think that's you know I think that's exactly what Jesus did. He just did, went where the people were, mm-hmm. you know, go where the people are and 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 be involved in their lives and um, <clears throat> so you mentioned not knowing anybody or having friends,
2: um, how was that transition for your wife? It was uh, tough. Uh, it was, you know, we had uh, cordial kind of friendships, you know, there for a while. And and uh, you, you kind of thought you were in, but it took a little while. Uh, you know, it was a little difficult when a mom would talk about Kids our age that they knew having birthday parties, but our kids weren't inviting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to see that one day they got invited, it was like, oh, now we're now we're friends. It was it was huge, it was yeah. huge. But for a while, it was lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, we uh, we did a lot of things as our family. Mm-hmm. Every Wednesday was cafe day. Sure, yeah. everybody went to the cafe at lunchtime. So. We got to know the waitress very well. Still to this day, I've coached her kids in baseball. And she still remembers the day we walked into the cafe. Oh, you know, your son was so tiny. You know, he was in a car seat. And (laughs) and, uh, that was great. Take a check to the bank every time you get one, whether it was $10 or $100, you go see the bank tellers. Mm -hmm. I was the only visitor at the school board. Yeah. Every right. month, you know, they'd say, "Let's recognize our visitors." Oh, hi, William. <laughs> 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 which was which was fun because it, it, if you went to the school board meeting, you knew everything going on in the community. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it was just finding those little niches where to meet people. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, um, so what do you see as some of the struggles <laughs> facing small towns in Montana, especially as it relates to
2: the health of churches? Yeah. Some of our um, you know, this is not all inclusive by any means, but I've kind of seen that our small towns, there's the um, cost of living compared to the per capita income. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of families in these small towns, both spouses work, mm-hmm. so there's a great need for child care, and those things are hard to find. Mm-hmm. You know, I sat down with the principals at the school and say, name me your top three needs that you see in the community of you know, the high school and the elementary uh, principals were like, oh, child care. You know, open up a daycare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to reach people. That's a, that's a huge issue because people drive out of those small towns a lot of times to go work in, you know, cities that are – Twenty-five, sometimes fifty miles or more away, mm-hmm. and so they leave early. They get home late, mm-hmm. uh, which of course is a, a challenge for families, mm-hmm. and that is also limits their time they can go to a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it limits the time you can actually engage them in ministry. So you have to be aware of, of their living and and what life looks like, and, and translate that to how do we minister to them in the time. That they are actually available, so that 's part of you know how that relates to the health of churches and it 's kind of interesting too, in some of our small towns just seeing the uh, you you ride into some of these small towns, and I know that our town has been described as mayberry Mayberry, sure, uh, but then when you get to know people, you see some of the brokenness and the heartache and the hardships and mm-hmm. the struggles. And so you, you realize that you know not only are you broken, but other people living around you are broken mm-hmm. and have huge needs, huge needs in their lives. And sometimes they kind of keep that back, but when you get to know them, they open up and share it. And with that, boy, it gives a great opportunity to connect them to Jesus first and then hopefully to the church yeah. as they have that relationship with Christ. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, I, I'm, forgive me for being ignorant here, but what do you mean by Mayberry? Uh, I'm lost on <coughs> that. Maybe our listeners oh, Mayberry, are too. Yeah. Mayberry, yeah. What do you mean by that? So, it's funny, so since think I, think I came Mayberry. from North
2: Carolina, Mayberry, North Carolina, the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, I'm kind of dating myself Okay, there here. you go. <laughs> some of those listeners out there might be like, what do you mean, Ryan? You don't know Mayberry. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> and some people your age are like, yeah, Ryan. You're you're right. Who? What is Mayberry? Yeah. (laughs) So Mayberry was this picturesque little town where the sheriff carried one bullet in his gun. You know, it was never loaded. Uh, It was the picture perfect world. Everybody. You know, there was there was conflict, but it was easily resolved. So everything was great, and you know it was this just. Small town utopia. That's right, and uh, so that's that's Mayberry. I'm yeah. sorry. To okay, uh, no,
1: that's fine. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> I really was like, yeah, Mayberry. I have, I no, have idea no idea what you, what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, but Andy Griffith's show. Okay, yeah, I don't know. Is that on Netflix? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows?
2: I'm sure if you Google it, <laughs> I'm you know, sure you can, go back I'm a few sure, years. Yeah, yeah. Andy Griffith show. I'm sure you could. Uh... <laughs> that's a cultural experience. You need experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll
1: jot that down. I'll make a note of that. <laughs> so I love, I love what you said, um, just about you know asking those questions in small towns. What are the greatest needs, and childcare often being one of them. Um, so right there, I, I see that here's an opportunity for small town churches to make a difference in the lives of the people of the community. Um, not that childcare is easy, and obviously in our day and age, <clears throat> you have to. You know, you have to cross your T's and dot your lowercase J's to make sure that, um, you know, if people are going to be dropping off their kids to hang out with you, that you have your bases covered, that you have them protected, and so on and so forth. But I I would think by and large that would be doable for churches in small towns. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Yeah, you know, there are the challenges, of course. Uh, That is one of those areas that there are a lot of things you have to do and do right, do well, uh, to not only earn the trust, but keep the trust. Mm-hmm. It is people's kids. And we we were never able to do, like, a child care, but one of the way we kind of was able to meet that need was we'd do things like after-school activities mm. so that, you know, the kids could literally walk from the school over to the church, and they had their parents' permission, and they would come over and, and play games, and, you know, we would do you know, a, a missions emphasis or this, that, and the other. So we engaged them in church life, but we also gave them somewhere to go and it was free, mm-hmm. you know, it was a cost savings for their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people knew that where their kids would be, they were safe. They mm-hmm. were someone that they trusted. It was close to the school. They could get there without having to make prior arrangements of travel. And so those type of things were one of the ways of, you know, helping meet that need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What are some other things that you've, uh, that you've done or you've seen folks do in small towns um, to connect with the community? Yeah,
2: you know, we did a ton of service projects. Just, you know, we would ask, what are those things that need to be done that maybe the community, that would impact the community, that maybe even have the money to do the supplies but you don't have the money to do the labor yeah um and we would engage not only people at the church but people in the community they saw the need and wanted to help out and they could give a couple of hours mm-hmm. and so we've done anything from staining the gazebo in town at the local park to painting the fire hall rebuilding the crow's nest at the football stadium yeah you know, insulating it so the people were... I'm not sure why because everybody else sat outside. <laughs> but the announcers got to do... Yeah, I don't you know. think you want your announcer chattering oh, though, yeah, when he's yeah. uh, announcing the first down for the team. I traveled the football with the football team and videoed which, you know, they were looking for someone to do that. So I got to spend time with the coaches and the players. Yeah. Driving a school bus. Mm-hmm. Huge need. That's one of the jobs that is very difficult for any community to find. I mean, you, you can drive by any community. You'll see a sign out front that says bus drivers needed Mm -hmm. and with being in town and and a little bit of a flexible schedule that was one that met a need earned a little money for my family yeah and definitely had huge connections yeah there's a there's a lot of possibilities you just got to ask the questions Mm -hmm.
1: yeah ask the questions and and be willing to do a
2: couple of things volunteer in the fire department yeah you know they came by selling raffle tickets for a free turkey or something and sure and so Hey, would you ever consider joining the fire department? You know, we're all volunteers. A lot of our people work out of town, but people still get sick or have emergencies in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Would you consider that? Yeah, and huge and, need.
1: Yeah, and you asked if I join, can I blow the horn?
2: Absolutely. On the fire I truck? mean, why else do you? You know, <laughs> right. you get to drive and and expensive the equipment with <laughs> lights and sirens and. <laughs> And it's not yours. But. Right, right. Yeah, and, <laughs> and help someone, too.
1: Well, that, that's, that's interesting. Uh, my wife and I lived in a small town uh, in Iowa for 10 years before we moved back here to Montana. And every, every small town had the fire department, the volunteer fire department. Um, and it was a huge need. And, um, you know, I worked with a couple of volunteer fire departments in, in uh, the service department of our car dealership. That town siren would go off. And they would just leave. You know, they'd be in the middle of a job, and uh, well, there was two of them on our staff. They'd be in the middle of a job and just leave, and I'd be like, "Where'd they? Oh, I heard the fire call." You know, and most of the time they were back pretty quick. Right. Um, most of the time, um, you know, the emergency was was handled by by a few, and so, sure. um, but they they would answer that call, and I just always thought that was just a huge part of. Of um, connecting with people in the community, it's just finding those places and plugging yourself mm-hmm. in. Yeah.
2: Um, being a volunteer firefighter has been one of the best inroads because you know you do get to care for someone in a an immediate situation. But then they start to associate you with, oh, you're the pastor. Um, and yeah, the chief came to me a few years after being on the department and said, "Would you be our chaplain?" He goes, we haven't had a chaplain at the fire department in 13 years. <laughs> and so I never asked to be that. But right. I was asked by the chief to do that and still do that to this day. And uh-huh. then that branched out into being a chaplain with the sheriff's department. Yeah. So I got to know the law enforcement. And, you know, it was volunteering because there was a need. And then it just opened up ministry opportunities. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, yeah. and And not... You know, not coming on the fire department in a month, and you're saying, "Hey, I noticed you have a chaplain. I could do that." Yeah. You know, and uh, it wasn't until maybe they, the chief realized that, yeah, this is a need. Mm-hmm. This is a need. And when you come on the scene as a, as a firefighter or or, or um, a chaplain, and you're helping folks work through these things, um, you know, you're, you're you're tending to their physical needs, and I think that makes huge inroads in their. Spiritual needs,
2: it sure does. As well, yeah, I've actually been left behind before, and say we'll bring you a truck so when you're done, because of a crisis situation, a you know a death or a you know something like that going on, and 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 the other firemen say, hey, we've got a chaplain with us. Would you like for him to stay with you mm-hmm. uh, till your family gets here, or you know till this thing takes place? That you know we don't want you to be alone. And it's amazing the family would be like, oh, yeah, I'd love for that to happen. You know, stand there in my bunkers. Yeah, but right. But I get to, you know, transfer from firefighter to chaplain and, and be with the family. Yeah, so. yeah.
1: That's awesome. I love that. Um, So um, tell me a little bit about the differences and similarities between church planning and cities in Montana. Now I use cities in quotations because you said a small town in North Carolina is 30,000 people. Well, that's a city in Montana, you know, uh, but planning churches in cities as opposed to Mm -hmm. small towns. What are some similarities and
2: differences between those? Yeah. You know, I guess the biggest similarity is people are people (laughs) (laughs) wherever they live. There are uh, needs. There are people to reach. No matter if they live in, you know, our, our largest city of a hundred thousand. For some of our listeners, they may be like, "That's a big city." It <laughs> is in Montana. That's yeah, our largest it city. Is. It is uh, mm-hmm. twenty thousand is a large city, even mm-hmm. ten. Yeah. But uh, you know, people are people. Uh, it's trying to find out how to connect with them, and so on. It could be a little different in a big city. It's a little harder to go to the local school and and meet the whole community. Yeah, You know, in a small town of 1,500 and you go to a graduation for 45 seniors and there's five or 600 people there, that might be different in a city that has several high schools. Mm -hmm. And and they may, you know, may not be as easy to do that. So in our small towns, service projects, uh, be invisible in... Really tangible ways is is a great way to uh, help with a church plant, whereas in larger cities, even though the similarities are still trying to reach people, how you do that is totally different mm-hmm. yeah, there 's probably more emphasis on advertising or social media or mm-hmm. those type things, not saying you can 't connect uh, but even larger activities, maybe an Easter egg hunt mm-hmm. or you do something for the local fire department in the you know the area of the city you're planting in that that gives you some personal touches whereas if you do that something at the fire department in a small town you've touched a ton of people yeah because everybody knows who all the firemen are
1: yeah definitely and and the firemen are highly revered absolutely yeah. and and respected whether or not you know simply because they've decided to be on the fire department right. and they help people and they're there and and you know there may be other reasons that folks in town don't respect them, right, but um the fact that they're on that fire department they're volunteering it's huge yeah it it's is huge and and without that without people volunteering to do that who who's going to respond to these crises exactly
2: yeah yeah the the struggles in in volunteers in church is real in volunteers and other organizations, whether it's the Chamber of Commerce or the local fire department or the PTO, Mm -hmm. you know, they're all volunteers. And so you see those things being lived out in other organizations just as you do in church life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it behooves us to, um, you know, to plant the vision and talk about the vision. I mean, if you're on the fire department, it's very clear, right? You are there to save lives, Mm -hmm. you know, to help people in crisis and to get them the care that they need to have right now. So you're you're the, the first responders, yeah. and I think uh, sometimes maybe in church life we don't communicate very clearly to people, to volunteers that you're you're, the, you're a first responder. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is very important, yeah. um, and maybe we ought to be better at creating more opportunities for them to be first responders.
2: You know, an example such as as being a volunteer somewhere, whether it's at the school or the fire department or wherever that might be, kind of levels the playing field. And sometimes you have to overcome perceptions of, oh, you're the pastor, so, you know, you prepare for Sunday and, you know, you have this office and you do those things. But when you're dressed up in your bunkers or you're out setting up for the spring carnival at the PTO, you are living life where other people are, mm-hmm. and they you gain respect and credibility. Mm. I, I remember one of the compliments. I think it was a compliment. I'm still kind of debating it. <laughs> um, this new firefighter had been on our department for a couple of months, and I actually didn't bring it up. Somebody else asked me something about church, and, and I remember this firefighter looking at me and goes, I didn't know you were a pastor. <laughs> I think that's good, <laughs> and then again, it may not be, you know. But then they went on to explain, and I actually kind of joked with them about that. They said, "No, you're out here crawling around in the dirt and the smoke and all, and that's pretty cool, mm. and, and therefore a conversation ensued. So, so tell me about what you did as a pastor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was a great opening conversation. Yeah, but it was that leveling of the playing field and go. I don't mind to get my hands dirty. I don't mind to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I live life too. I, I want someone to show up if I have an emergency. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, my kids are going to go to the spring carnival. So right. I, I'm willing to set it up and That's tear right. down and That's put the work right. in and, and help earn money for their class to do those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool.
1: Um. All right. One, one, one last question. Um. So how do we maximize our impact on the lives of those around us? Um, you know in our in our small towns in our communities and in, in in our sphere of influence um, with with limited resources
2: yeah I think the uh, I think one of the keys is you love people and you spend time with them, you show their value you help them understand they have um, something to contribute not only maybe to their family, but to the community, to a greater good. And so that doesn't take money, that doesn't take buildings, that doesn't take all kind of other things. It literally takes your time and commitment to show people they're valuable. Hmm. It takes your time uh, and encouragement to invest in someone. And you could have a bank account of zero or a bank account of a million dollars and that doesn't matter when it comes down to actually spending time with people, yeah. uh, understanding who they are, um, letting them know who you are, mm-hmm. be transparent with them, let them know, hey, man, I don't have all this figured out in life. I'm, I'm struggling through it too at times, and I'm trying to figure it out, and maybe you can help me. So, you know, with, with absolutely no resources other than yourself, mm-hmm. you can have a great impact on people and help them understand they can have a great impact on not just their family, but others as well.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think what you said is so important and transferable. We all have 168 hours in a week and time is a commodity Mm. that, you know, we all have the same amount of time and what we do with that time and how we invest it in people and spending time with them uh, is huge, and it's the same for our relationships. You know, mm-hmm. if I don't spend any time with my wife, she's not going to be very happy with right. me, and that's not going to express love to her. And my kids, the same too. You know, and and um, uh, I think that's the same with our communities. If we don't spend time with our communities, um, especially when we talk about small town Montana, yeah. you're in a community of 500 or less, and you're you know you're, you're I guess a pastor or a, or a leader um, a spiritual leader and you're not spending time with your family or with uh, the community, then <clears throat> that community is going to question whether or not you love them and care about them. Yeah. Um, and I, and I've seen that in, in, you know, in, in Iowa, in the Midwest, there are small towns every 10, 15 miles. Mm-hmm. And, um, even in our little small town, our pastor, uh, lived in town. We had a parsonage, um, we belonged to an organization that provided his salary by and large. We contributed to it as well. So he was able to live in town and we had four churches in a town of 200 and he was the only one that lived in town and he was the town pastor. Everybody right. knew that. And people from other churches would call him their pastor because he spent the time, uh, to be involved in the community, right. um, to love on people, um, These other churches had pastors and priests and what, when bishops and what have you, Um, they were often spread out between three, four, five parishes, churches, and certainly did not spend time in the community outside of when they were paid to be there. Right,
2: and that I think that leaves a bad taste in people's Mm -hmm. mouths. Yeah. You know, it's it's an incredible thing. When I was in seminary, you know, spent two years on a seminary campus, did work after that for another three years before I graduated. And, and one of the, <clears throat> probably the best thing I learned from a professor there was we spent like six weeks um, studying what the church is. I was like, I've been in church all my life. I know what the <laughs> church is. This is such a waste of time. And in the end, his point was, if you're going to plant one, you need to understand what it is. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then I remember him telling, telling our class this. It was just a small group of people, but he said, when you go, especially to a small town, he said, you are there to pastor the town, not the church. Yeah. And he said, you will have opportunities to pastor people that may never set foot yep. in the building that you say you pastor, yep. but they will still look at you as the pastor if you get involved in their life. Yep. And I thought, that is the craziest thing. That doesn't meet the goal in my mind. Right. But over the years, I've seen people go, Oh, this is my pastor. And I'm thinking, you've never been in the church. <laughs> I bet you couldn't name the church yeah, but i pastor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But they would introduce me as their pastor. Yeah. And it was because, you know, I did the funeral for their son that was killed in a car wreck. Yeah. Or I spent time with them, you know, when they called and they had no pastor. Yeah. And someone would say, oh, you should call William. He, yeah. You know, he, I think he might be able to help you. Right. And there was a connection there. And so it was so freeing, mm-hmm. honestly. And open up the perspective of, yeah, there's a whole community here, and it's not about how many you can gather. God will gather those, but if you can somehow plant a seed, share love, that's the greatest resource you have. Mm-hmm. It, it far outweighs money. It far outweighs anything else. It is caring about people with a hope that you can share your faith and that, you know that God just takes care of everything else. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well,
1: William, I, I man, I, I just, I love talking about this. I think we can continue talking about this, this kind of thing and, and, and tell stories about what God's done, uh, in and through you in Manhattan and then in Montana, as you're now, um, you know, in charge of, of more churches and encouraging church plants and so on and so forth. Sure. Um, but, uh, but one last thing, just a quick question. Um, how can we be in prayer for the churches in Montana? Um, right now, what are sure. some things we can be in prayer for?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, pray for the pastors and their families. Uh, you know, some of them are in isolated small places. They yep. need connections with not only people in their community but with other pastors and wives mm-hmm. and and uh, the, that network and all. There's a need for workers. You know, for people to come alongside them and help out in their ministries as they reach these communities, great or small. Um, you know pray for more people to you know catch the call of God and listen intently to that that they might that they might become instead of just a church member they might become that next pastor or planter yeah. in, in the state yeah uh, wherever that might be and and be open to what God might be doing in their own lives and in their own hearts
1: well thanks so much William for being on I appreciate that thanks for your time and and I appreciate your insight and um yeah, being prayed for small town Montana, churches yeah. in Montana, right?
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ryan. And uh, for those listeners out there, you got questions about planting in Montana, look us up on our website our yeah. convention website.
1: Yeah, sounds great. mtsbc.org. You can find out uh, all you need there, mtsbc.org. Thanks again, William. Thank you. Well, that was a fantastic conversation about getting involved in your local community context with the goal of loving people to Jesus. Now, I hope that you can take away at least one of these things from your time that you will apply to your own life. You know, I love how practical his advice was to get involved in community and how how easy it was to apply. I mean, simply ask around, find a need, and work on filling it. Volunteer somewhere, coach a team, learn a sport, or participate in an activity. It's important for us to involve ourselves in the lives of others and watch God do something amazing through that. Well, I want to say thank you to William Johnson again for being on the In Step podcast. You know, God is doing great things in and through him as he reaches out to new church plants and seeks to develop other church planters for the state of Montana. Again, if you'd like to know more about what's going on around the state of Montana, check out the Montana Southern Baptist website at mtsbc.org. Well, don't forget to check out our next podcast episode uh, featuring K.J. Ellington, uh, the pastor of Jordan Community Bible Church. As we talk about finding your identity in Christ, measuring success by the standards of the scriptures, not by the standards of the world, and how the Lord led him and his family to Montana. You can look for that episode dropping on Wednesday, April 10th. Now, as always, if you aren't already subscribed to the Emanuel podcast, please take a few minutes, find us on your device and click subscribe. You can also hop on our website at myemanuel.net and find it there. And don't forget to share this content with a friend. And while you're at it, share it on social as well. Well, thank you once again for joining us today for the In-Step Podcast. In-Step, you, me,
0: Jesus. Thanks for listening to the In-Step Podcast, a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Billings, Montana. We hope your time with us today has encouraged, strengthened, and helped you walk in-step with Jesus. New episodes are available every other Wednesday, so please subscribe, share us with a friend, and like us on Facebook. Also, don't forget to check out our website at myemmanuel.net. And finally, please don't change or alter the content in any way without our permission. Until next time, in step, you, me, Jesus.